Okay, now, just for a warning, once again, as stated in the beginning of the message, I'm going to remind you, this message is a message with some pretty heavy content that is not appropriate for young ears. So, if you do have young ones about, once again, this is a reminder to be listening either to this message in private or get the young ones out of sound range, please. Now, let's talk about the influence of the hormone prolactin. The hormone prolactin is a wonderful hormone that is associated with the postpartum state, lactation, and breastfeeding. It is another hormone that makes a woman feel healthy, sexual, and young, but in a different way than estrogen and progesterone. During the postpartum state, the hormones are balanced with low estrogen and high prolactin. It is a prolactin dominant condition that causes a variety of changes throughout a woman's body and in her emotional state, feelings, and desires. It is a healthy, normal condition that many women find enjoyable. It is too bad that some women are uncomfortable with it and try to avoid it at all costs since they may miss a whole dimension that is there for them to know in their life experience. Of course, I am talking about the experience of breastfeeding their little one or husband and all of the hormonal and body changes that accompany it. Normally, this time does not last forever. Soon, it is past. Some women who find it enjoyable and fulfilling long to return to it in the form of inducing lactation. Inducing lactation is inducing the postpartum state to a partial degree. During the postpartum state, the ovaries are quiet and resting. The signal to make them produce follicles and estrogen is turned off, this is done by prolactin. This low estrogen condition causes the pituitary to be much more sensitive to the nipple stimulation and put out much larger amounts of prolactin which keeps the breasts lactating and prolongs 
the postpartum state. The low estrogen during this time causes the vaginal tissues and associated structures to be slower to respond to sexual arousal. Interestingly, prolactin and oxytocin are produced in her body with and because of stimulation, intercourse, and orgasm. These hormones are produced in her body with breast fondling and nipple stimulation. As well, prolactin causes the breast to be much more responsive to stimulation. With the nerve endings developing in the nipple and areola under its influence. The areola enlarges and becomes more pigmented. In association with this, increased sensitivity. You could say that these larger, darker areolas are like little targets saying, quote, give me some attention, unquote. This nipple development results in more sexual arousal, especially with nipple suckling. And many women experience orgasms with nipple stimulation alone. In a prolactin dominant state, the center of sexual arousal is nipple centered. This could be a problem for some husbands who are leg men and don't want much to do with those breasts, especially when they ignore the breasts altogether and find it hard to arouse their wife with sexual intercourse stimulation alone. Some men might be uncomfortable with the fact that milk may come out of her breasts when they are stimulated. I think they may be more uncomfortable with the deep feelings that it engenders. Perhaps a challenge to their masculinity and control. I believe overall that it is a very deep arousal that men have to lactating breasts. And most men find it deeply satisfying to experience her femininity in this way. Elevated prolactin modulates many pathways in the brain to do with emotions, feelings, and desires. This has been described as nesting behavior. Personally, I think this is one of the most precious things about a woman in the postpartum state.
during this time, a woman wants to stay home, quote, in the nest, unquote, that is to say, not explore or roam. She may want to stay in bed, more and nest, and have her husband there in bed with her. She feels more serene and calm and has a strong desire to nurture. She wants to cuddle and be held and have intimacy, talking and sharing. Of course, she wants to cuddle and bond with the baby as well as nurse, but she also wants to do the same for her husband. Her sexual arousal is much more breast-centered and very much dependent upon her comfort and enjoyment of her lactating state. Prolactin promotes the desire in a woman to have her breasts suckled and fondled. If she is very secure with her husband and comfortable with her body, inevitably she is aroused with breast play and the couple end up participating in sex more often, perhaps more often than in a non-pregnant state. Many women feel that they are most sexy when they're lactating. Prolactin promotes sexual responsiveness just as estrogen and progesterone do. The wife may say to the husband at this time, quote, kiss me, hold me, fondle me, caress me, pay attention to my nipples. After you do, I will be desirous and wanting of more, unquote. The husband, meanwhile, can experience and share all these feelings that she has. The nest that she makes in the bed, of course, she brings the baby into it. But she also wants her husband in there with her, too. The postpartum condition is a healthy hormonal state, just as the pregnant and non-pregnant states are. There is much misunderstanding about this condition. However, the desire to stay in the, quote, nest, unquote, along with the strong flood of feelings washing over and through her, as well as the fact that she has a slow response to vaginal stimulation may end up giving her a diagnosis of postpartum depression. I know that this is a real entity and appropriate for some women. However, I think it is given to some women who are perfectly normal but misunderstood by their husbands and sometimes their doctors as well, who do not realize the changes or the joys they could have in sharing this time with her.
inducing the postpartum state can be a problem with endometriosis. Doctors often use birth control pills to do this. Women have some prolactin release all of the time, resulting in some mild nesting behavior, which is part of their feminine nature. Estrogen is the hormone that gives women an interest in mating. When a woman is pregnant, her prolactin becomes moderately elevated. She begins to have stronger, quote, nesting, unquote, feelings, and usually puts effort into creating a special place for the baby to come and becomes home-focused and domesticated. When she enters the postpartum time, after delivering her baby, she experiences a high prolactin level. Her milk comes in about the third day. She usually experiences the strongest, quote, nesting, unquote, feelings and desires. She wants to stay in bed more and cuddle with her infant and husband. She enjoys skin-to-skin -skin contact, which is good for the infant and husband as well. She feels more sleepy and mellow in her mood. She has feelings of contentment. She has strong nurturing desires toward her infant and husband, wanting to breastfeed and have her nipples fondled and suckled. Prolactin is responsible for the breasts filling with milk and also the urge or desire to have that milk taken by a hungry, grateful, and loving mouth. I think the urge to breastfeed when breasts have milk in them is similar somewhat to the desire to have sex when someone becomes sexually aroused. If all goes well, she bonds with her suckler, either infant or husband, with a strong emotional attachment. Oxytocin's influence overlaps quite a bit in its influence on her feelings and behavior. Prolactin elevation in combination with lowered estrogen causes her to become more breast-centered sexually. If she does not want to go out of the house much, is mellow in her mood and wants to cuddle. She may be considered depressed, oftentimes wrongly so. Throughout the years that a woman regularly ovulates, she experiences intermittent mild elevations of prolactin, primarily before menses or her period starts. This is in addition to the experience of being pregnant and postpartum. I believe this promotes feminine behavior 
that is more nonspecific and attractive to most men. Here are some examples. When a young couple gets married, to some degree, the female desires to make herself attractive and desirable. She might say, quote, Honey, do you like my hair, my dress? Unquote. These are expressions of her prolactin. This is because she wants to be a, quote, nest, unquote, herself, and for him to be there with her. In the bed, she is a, quote, nest, unquote, again, wanting him to be happiest with her. A mother's unconditional love, the hugging to the breasts, is certainly generated by feelings, that are colored by prolactin. I believe prolactin is a wonderful hormone that promotes the most feminine behavior which men crave and love. Understanding how prolactin influences a woman's feelings and desires helps to explain some of the attractions and motivations that a couple have towards sharing in an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR. If both partners enjoy her breasts, it is more likely they will enjoy an ABF, ANR, also known as an ANR. A study was done some years ago that found women who are in a relationship and are active and happy sexually have higher level average of prolactin than single women do. Sex and breast play, of course, elevates prolactin. Higher levels of prolactin also tend to cause the breast to enlarge a little because the alveoli stay more developed. In a couple's sexual relationship, if he loves her breasts and pays attention to them and she enjoys it, she is likely to have increased, quote, nesting feelings, unquote, and further interest in his attention to her breasts. If they participate in an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, she will have strong feelings in wanting him to suckle and fondle her breasts on a regular basis. Men are driven by sight and touch, whereas women are driven by feelings and emotions. There is nothing quite like having the woman you love look you in the eye earnestly with the desire that you fondle and suckle her breasts. For him... The uncovering of the breasts, the fondling, the suckling, the oral pleasures. Then for her, the feelings of letdown, the satisfying of the need to give her milk, and the emotional intimacy. I believe most men find the situation of 
a woman desiring him to suckle and fondle her breast, captivating and irresistible. Prolactin promotes feelings that are best experienced and satisfied in the setting of a strong relationship. I have heard quite a few women say that they would be interested in an ABF, ANR, also known as an ANR. So they induced themselves in anticipation of finding a relationship later to share this experience. Inducing without a partner, however, causes many to have more intense, unfulfilled feelings of loneliness and longing for a partner. Not all women like the way they feel when their prolactin is elevated. If a woman has had a child and enjoyed being pregnant and breastfeeding, she is much more likely to feel positively about trying an adult breastfeeding or ABF, adult breastfeeding relationship or ABR, also known as adult nursing relationships or ANR. Women who are in business competing in a man's world or professionals who are career driven are more likely to not want to feel domestic. They are more likely to put the infant to the bottle from the start and place the infant in the care of another person. They are not likely to want this type of relationship. They may feel large breasts are a nuisance or a real problem. The postpartum depression that some women experience is caused by the estrogen withdrawal and not the elevated progesterone. In most cases, it's a short duration, but again, it can cause a woman to feel negative about an ABF, ANR, also known as an ANR. Women generally do not experience postpartum depression when they induce for an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, because there is not a sudden estrogen withdrawal. I believe many of the questions that are asked about what is it like to have an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR. These can be answered or at least given an insight by understanding how prolactin influences a woman's feelings and behavior. It is the most important hormone to understand. Now for a look at the hormone oxytocin and bonding. Women who have engaged in an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, have said of the experience that it is pleasurable, extremely intimate, bonding with their mate, arousing, fulfilling, somewhat addictive, the deep feelings of closeness, 
almost a spiritual experience. What is it that causes women to find this experience so deep and pleasurable? From my perspective as a male, it is a bit of a mystery. I know that I want the woman that I love to cling to me to be happy and find pleasure in my arms. I want my touch to always be a little arousing to her. I derive my greatest physical pleasure when she has pleasure with me. Women crave intimacy with their mates emotionally and physically. Just as it is hard for males to understand what makes a woman tick concerning her breasts. Just the same as it is hard for females to understand the endless fascination that males have for the female breasts. I believe understanding the role of oxytocin in the body can help. Oxytocin is the fourth hormone in the sequence of hormones that play a role in the development and function of the breasts. Oxytocin is the hormone that causes milk ejection, of course, but it does much more than that. Oxytocin has a variety of effects in the body, both physical and emotional. It has been under study a lot recently, with interesting findings being reported from researchers. It has been reported that oxytocin plays a role in men as well as women, particularly with bonding. Oxytocin's role is much more limited in men than in women, at least in the current understanding. So my stressing of this hormone will be limited to women in this message for the time being. With women, it plays a major role in the experience of pleasure, sexual arousal, and physical intimacy. Oxytocin is released from the hypothalamus an important area that controls the pituitary. The hypothalamus receives inputs from physical stimuli such as nipple suckling and or fondling. The physical inputs are much more complex than this alone. The hypothalamus also receives inputs from the limbic system, which is the seat of emotions, arousal, and desires. Consequently, physical stimuli alone will not cause the release of oxytocin. The woman's mood and feelings completely affect it. Oxytocin causes milk ejection from the breasts by making little muscles contract around each aveolus. It also causes rhythmic contractions of the uterus. That is to say, another special muscle. Most important, it also stimulates the pleasure center in the brain. In contrast to nicotine, 
a nasty evil thing that stimulates the pleasure center. Oxytocin is a good thing that stimulates it. Oxytocin is similar to endorphins that are released with exercise, which cause pain to become less noticeable and give the person a sense of feeling good, almost a type of euphoria. Endorphins give what is known as the runner's high. Oxytocin gives a pleasurable reward and makes the woman want to repeat that behavior again and again. When a woman has an orgasm during intercourse, a flood of oxytocin is released. This causes her to experience powerful pleasure. The uterus contracts, causing sperm entering the cervix to be pumped quickly up to the fallopian tubes, hastening them on their way. When her partner fully penetrates her and ejaculates against her cervix, prostaglandins in the semen also cause her to release oxytocin with its subsequent effects, including the pleasure response. Of course, if the partners have an orgasm at the same time, she will get a double dose of oxytocin. In the non-pregnant state, these contractions are not unpleasant and are often described as a feeling of butterflies or fluttering in the pelvis. If there is milk in her breasts, she will have a forceful letdown. If there is no milk present in her breasts, she still may experience a pleasant tingling in her breasts from activity in the alveoli. She also has a flood of endorphins during orgasm, which causes her to have decreased pain perception and euphoria. Immediately after the orgasm, the continued effect of oxytocin and endorphins causes her to experience all the feelings of afterglow. It is oxytocin to a great extent that may cause her to say, quote, that was great. Let's do it again, unquote. Immediately after childbirth, the uterus is very large and sensitive to the stimulation of oxytocin. Oxytocin plays a very important role in causing the uterus to contract to stop the bleeding. Putting the newborn to the breast is the traditional way to stimulate the release of oxytocin to keep the uterus firm and not bleeding. Today, doctors usually give some sort of oxytocin supplement to make sure this happens. This illustrates how the breasts and uterus are intimately connected in their functions. Nipple stimulation causes oxytocin release. Actually, all of the touching involved with sex can cause oxytocin release. 
Women have many erogenous zones on their bodies which can cause oxytocin release when touched in an arousing way. Kissing and stroking behind the ears are some examples. There are lots of ways to cause oxytocin release, but it all depends on the woman's frame of mind and how she feels. She can have nipple stimulation such as trying to breastfeed an infant or her partner, but if she is upset, not relaxed, not wanting it, not comfortable with herself, she will not have the release of oxytocin and letdown. On the other hand, sometimes something can trigger her feelings such as hearing a child cry and she will have a spontaneous release of oxytocin and let down without physical stimulation. There was a confession by a woman news reporter who had an infant that she breastfed. She had an opportunity to interview a handsome male actor whom she admired. She asked him some questions and he gave her some good answers. It was not until the end of the interview that she looked down at her blouse and realized she had a significant lick down sometime during the interview and soaked the front of her blouse. Although they probably both did not realize the significance of this, she wore the positive feelings she felt toward the man on the front of her blouse. Just her interaction with him caused her to release oxytocin. Clearly, all the hormones, feelings, and emotions that accompany the intimacy of intercourse also occurs with breast stimulation. Perhaps not with the same intensity, nevertheless they do. It is a pleasurable thing to involve breast play with sex. Indeed, breast play is often the prelude to sex. Some women will have an orgasm on occasion from nipple stimulation alone and usually are aroused faster when nipple stimulation is added into all the other activities of sexual foreplay. And adult breastfeeding or ABF, adult breastfeeding relationship or ABR, also known as adult nursing relationships, or ANR, consistently elicits all these feelings and emotions, although to a lesser intensity. Breastfeeding an infant or husband for the woman should be a pleasurable and bonding experience. Some women have experienced arousal and even had an orgasm with breastfeeding. Nipple suckling and fondling is arousing, causes oxytocin release, is pleasurable, 
can lead to orgasm and triggers bonding feelings with her participant, whether it be her husband or infant. There was a report in the news about a woman who was reported for child abuse because she found breastfeeding her child arousing and occasionally experienced an orgasm while doing so. She was threatened with the removal of her child. This, I believe, shows a gross misunderstanding of how a woman works in her feelings and emotions in relationship to her breasts. From a male's perspective, I love breast play and I love how it affects my wife's feelings and emotions. It brings out her most feminine traits. And ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, only amplifies these things. Researchers recently did an experiment where they had young women volunteers have an interview with a stranger who was a researcher to half of the volunteers. They gave an injection of oxytocin to the other half. They gave a placebo. They found that the oxytocin caused the women to respond more positively and emotionally rather than logically to the strangers. They tended to think the stranger would be friendly and trustworthy, even though they had no logical evidence to go by. Oxytocin plays a major role in the bonding that takes place between the male and female in a new relationship. Oxytocin is called the hormone of bonding because of this. Couples physically touch a lot, holding hands and kissing, and simple body contact. All of this causes oxytocin release, feelings of pleasure, and bonding. She may say, quote, I want to touch him. Hold him. I can't stop thinking about him. I can't wait until I see him again. I think I am addicted to him. Close quote. All of this, to a great degree, is the influence of oxytocin. After marriage, the honeymoon period, that lasts typically a year, is also associated with higher levels of oxytocin which eventually decline unless the couple keeps a little romance in their relationship. Women who participate in an ABF, ABR, what is also known as an ANR, with their husbands, experience the same feelings and find fulfillment in the touching and the physical and emotional intimacy that occurs. Swooning is an interesting thing. Women of any age, under the right circumstances, may experience this. But it seems young women experience this most. Intensely! It may occur when they meet a man, 
and experience strong romantic feelings of emotional and physical attraction. Perhaps the listener has seen young women at a concert, such as Elvis Presley or the Beatles, or more current musicians and swooning over them. The women get emotional, want to touch the performer, and sometimes pass out. I think what happens is this. Their intense physical and emotional attraction in the setting of mild sexual arousal causes them to experience a flood of oxytocin, triggering pleasure in association with tingling in their breasts and fluttering in their pelvis. They feel a physical as well as an emotional response to the performer, reinforcing their experience. It is all emotionally driven, not physically driven at all. There are several companies on the internet who are selling a cologne spray for men that is loaded with oxytocin. The idea is that any young man who is covered with oxytocin will cause a young woman who he meets to respond favorably to him. She will trust him, bond with him, and favorably respond to his advances. This is all based upon the premise that she will absorb enough oxytocin from contact with him to affect her this way. Does it work? I doubt it. But the idea is interesting. What man doesn't desire women to find him irresistible? Now, let us consider when there is not enough oxytocin. When a woman is lactating, the alveoli in her breasts produce and fill up with milk until they cannot hold more. When the pressure in the alveoli exceeds a certain point, the milk production stops. If the milk is not removed from the alveoli, within a certain time they will turn off and her milk output will decrease and the breasts will dry up. Of course, when women deliver a baby and choose not to breastfeed, they dry up their breasts by binding them to keep the pressure up on the alveoli and avoid nipple stimulation to keep from releasing prolactin more than necessary. Oxytocin causes the little muscles that surround these alveoli to contract and push the milk out into the ducts and sinuses underneath the nipples and areolas. Once the milk is out of the alveoli, they can continue producing milk. When a woman is postpartum and complains of not being able to produce enough milk, the issue is almost always related to her not releasing enough oxytocin. When would this occur? A young woman is more likely to choose not to breastfeed or to quit after a short trial if she is number one, 
single and alone in the endeavor, or her boyfriend or husband has left her. Number two, she does not feel comfortable with the breastfeeding experience because she has no experienced mother or woman mentor to turn to. Number three, her husband feels negatively about her lactating breasts. Number four, she does not like her body image or her breasts are too big or she is afraid they will lose their shape and so on and so forth. Number five, she's in excessive pain of any type. Pain can also inhibit the release of oxytocin. When a woman is postpartum and her breasts are painfully engorged or she has developed mastitis or her nipples are painfully sensitive or she is in emotional pain and cannot relax she may have a difficult time with letdown and getting the milk out of her breasts. This particularly applies to postpartum engorgement when she may be in tears with pain and cannot get a drop of milk out. The best advice is to relax, take a pain pill and apply warm compresses or take a warm shower allowing the water to massage the breasts. Interestingly, since endorphins block pain and encourage oxytocin release, there could be some benefits in trying to boost them in this situation. I had read about a woman recently, a young mother who had a one-month-old infant whom she breastfed. She presented herself with her husband and infant to an emergency room with an extremely painful, acute gallbladder attack. She had not breastfed the infant in almost six hours, and he was crying continuously. She was very full, but could not breastfeed him until a doctor had given her some morphine this worked somewhat like endorphins to ease her pain. When a woman is in a positive, loving relationship with her husband, inevitably she is going to produce oxytocin and probably not have these issues. How important it is for the husband to love her passionately at this time and support her. If he does, she will most likely be a woman who loves the breastfeeding experience and produces more than enough milk to meet the infant's needs as well as be able to breastfeed her husband as well. Her body image and general feelings about herself depend more on how much he loves her body than just about anything else. When he loves her body and she knows it, she responds by releasing plenty of oxytocin. So, what kind of things does understanding oxytocin 
enlighten us about an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR. Number one, the hormone oxytocin makes a woman feel good in many ways. More is better. Number two, many of the things that make sex pleasurable can also make breastfeeding pleasurable. Number three, an ABF, ANR, also known as an ANR, can be pleasurable in many of the ways that sex and breastfeeding are. Number four, oxytocin is instrumental in bonding between the woman and her partner as well as infant. And adult breastfeeding or ABF, adult breastfeeding relationship, or ABR, also known as adult nursing relationships, or ANR, amplifies these feelings with her partner. Number five, God comes first, then the relationship comes second. The husband should make her feel secure in his love for her and his commitment to the relationship as the bonding experience of an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, promotes a closer codependent relationship. Number six, inducing lactation calls for a significant commitment on the woman's part in a similar way that the risk of becoming pregnant makes most women think twice before having sex. Consequently, he has to reassure her that he has a similar level of commitment. Number seven, for husbands and wives who are considering exploring an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, the joys of experiencing all of this oxytocin has got to be a strong incentive. Number eight, husbands who enjoy a passionate, intimate, and sexual relationship with their wives will be much more likely to enjoy an adult breastfeeding or ABF, adult breastfeeding relationship or ABR, also known as adult nursing relationships or ANR, with her. Number nine, husbands need to make sure their wives feel good about their body and that they are amazingly attractive in their eyes as this promotes oxytocin release in her. Number 10, when a woman has passionate, positive feelings about producing milk from her breasts for her infant or husband, she will likely have good letdown experiences and produce plenty of milk. Number 11, when breastfeeding women quickly associate the infant's hungry desire with their own breasts, fullness, and experience let down. Oxytocin releases just from the emotional cues. Number 12, when in an ABF, ABR, 
also known as an ANR. Women quickly associate their husband's desire with their breasts, fullness, and have spontaneous letdowns in anticipation of nursing their husbands and the closeness it is going to bring. Number 13. One of the best things a woman can do when trying to induce lactation is to use her imagination to visualize the pleasures of her husband desiring milk from her breasts and her breasts, quote, flowing with milk, unquote, to meet his desire. Number 14. When experiencing lots of tingling letdowns, in the breast is a great sign that milk is soon to appear and, if present, to increase. Number 15, the sum of oxytocin in an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, is this. He loves her. She will produce milk for him. I said all of this to say, there are so many beautiful things for a couple to experience when exploring an ABF, ABR, also known as an ANR, the bonding, the intimacy, vulnerability, sharing, and touching are all potent sources of pleasure. Oxytocin is pleasurable, addictive, and healthy. Experiencing the life and fertility in her body as it responds to the challenge of producing milk is potent for the husband as well as the wife. All right, now we are going to mention here the reason for our nice, very long introduction. Well, the reason for that is this. See, we had to go into our extremely long introduction is this. First of all, we mentioned in there about marriage, and then we went into the aspect, of course, we didn't mention the lower anatomy, but, of course, the upper anatomy of the female, which is the breast, and we talk about that, the scientific part of it, why? Because in part two, we are going to be talking about, of course, there's a three-legged tripod here that we, as we did in part one, we are going to use the same tack in part two. Part two, we are going to take the same tack here in part two in our message on this time sex in relationship to marriage. We discovered by going not like everybody who has done in the past and looking at what, as we have discovered, Dr. Broadbottom, of course he's, as we've discovered, nothing more than a fictitious character, but basically he is a very live character who is the traditional character of which is these guys who teach, is the college professor in any, notice the word, any college, Christian college, that teaches today, 
teaches in our Christian colleges, that teaches in our seminaries the Word of God. Most of the time from some perversion, which ain't a Bible. And they'll use any perversion to try to teach what they believe is what they believe God's word on marriage and sex. But most of the time, their own versions of what they believe, but it's not all of what God believes and teaches. As we found on marriage, <laughs> they don't teach everything. They certainly don't teach it cover to cover. And they leave out very important aspects. We're going to do the same thing we did with marriage. We're going to go cover to cover and discover what God has to teach now about the topic of sex. We're going to find out what God has to say cover to cover by taking the Strong's and sticking with only the King James, the 1611. Because if you have an authorized Bible, one Bible, not a, jumping around a bunch of Mickey Mouse co comic books, but stick with one Bible, and you go cover to cover, you're going to find out some interesting facts. Now, we're going to look, obviously, using the body anatomy. Breasts are in the Bible. We find out, well, obviously, breasts, what do they put out for, what do they do? Well, they give out milk, obviously. So we're going to look at milk. We're going to look at, obviously, nursing, if, the, if that's possible. We're going to look at any possible connections. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to see what the Bible has to say about homosexuality. All of those topics, and we're going to find out what the truth is. And yes, for those I'm sorry to say if it's happened to you. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about rape. We're going to see what the Bible has to say about, yes, you out there who are transsexuals, transvestites. Yes, we're going to see what the Bible has to say about clothing. Yes, we're going to step on some toes. We're going to make some of you mad. And some of you are going to be glad. But in the end, we're going to preach what the Bible says cover to cover. And yes, we're going to find out that <laughs> there's a lot of things that Dr. Broadbottom has not taught true. And we're going to find a lot of things that the church is right on. And a lot of things that he has taught totally wrong. And yes, we're going to cover that one subject that they taught as we already showed up in part one. We're going to cover it again. Yes, that awful, rotten topic about mixed bathing. Oh, how sinful they think that is. Well, sorry to say, there is no such thing in the Bible about mixed bathing. But it's what they teach. Dr. Broadbottom and all these cohorts teach there's such a thing as mixed bathing but it ain't in there so see history they have influenced history by what their beliefs were 
by what they read into the book because they didn't read it cover to cover. And so we're going to discover really what the book has to say cover to cover by studying every single word that the book had used on sex in relationship to marriage. But now, something also valuably important before we get into the message. As you notice, I started with Ezekiel. I mean, I started the whole thing earlier before this long introduction with Elijah. And I talked about being Elijah's, God's Elijah's to the church. That's me. Well, because look into Ezekiel 33, 1 through 9. Now, a lot of people look at that and say, and I want you to turn there because we're going to be going there very shortly. Ezekiel chapter 33, 1 through 9. Ezekiel 33, 1 through 9 tells us something important. I want you to look there first. Ezekiel chapter 33, 1 through 9. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 1 through 9. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon a land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts, and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth, and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked man from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Okay, now as you noticed, after reading that text, notice what Ezekiel said. He did not say, he was, did not say, go to Egypt, Syria, or whatever. He said, go to Israel. Go to thy people, Israel. That was a type of the church. As many people known in the churches, that's supposed to be a type of the church. Well, God has called me to the church to be a warning to the church, to blow the trumpet. Now, question. What was he supposed to blow the trumpet about? Go. Knocking on doors. Hey, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Hey. Did you get saved? No, that isn't what he's supposed to... No, he didn't go to the children of Israel asking, did they get saved? Did they know God? They already knew God. 
He was supposed to tell them about their iniquity, to blow the trumpet and warn the people about their iniquity. What's iniquity? Sin. That's what God wants me to do. Come to this Laodicean dead church and warn you about your iniquity. To let you know where you guys have got not the beaten track. And that's what this message is about too. Show you that for thousands of years, you guys have gotten out the beaten track and seen something wrong. That you've went astray. Now, where did you go astray? As I said, we looked at, in the introduction here, two legs already of a tripod. What were the first two legs? See, the church had with their biblical perspective, has influenced the other two legs of a tripod. The biblical perspective, or religious perspective, has influenced the psychosocial or cultural aspect of marriage and sex, which that aspect then has influenced the historical aspect of marriage and sex. And guess what? Because the church got off the beaten track with God about marriage and sex in the Bible, it threw the psychosocial aspect off track. And when that was thrown out of whack and that leg was off track, guess what? The historical thing got off track. And yes, you heard it, snobs, right from the beginning that your leaders were off track. Dr. Broadbottom, Mr. Pinwhiskers at Baylor University, yep, it was him. So, now let's get into what the Bible has to say and prove what the Bible really has to say about all of this and see what God has to say, not what I have to say, but let's see what God himself has to say about the truth about his word and what it has to really say about these issues. Okay, now, a while back, I mentioned a preacher who said, and I quote, Well, you know, if I should ever smoke, and while I'm smoking, you know, it won't send me to hell, but, you know, it'll get me to heaven a lot faster. And I mentioned how, well, you know, he's talking out of both sides of the mouth. <laughs> and he was in reference to some scriptures about Jesus and how he was talking about what goes into and comes out of the mouth. Well, there are two comparative texts that talk about that very thing because Jesus is talking about the traditions of the elders. Well, let's take a look at those two texts. The first is found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? 
for they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honour thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honour not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude, and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly, and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Okay. Our next comparative text about this issue, about what goes into and comes out of the mouth, is found in Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashen hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not and many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoureth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honour thy father and thy mother. And whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is korban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, 
making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered. And many such like things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats? And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. <laughs> Do you catch it? Here he says to these guys, <laughs> look here. You guys are so worried about your pots and your cups and all of that. You nitpickers. Now, wait a minute. I'm not against a good clean pot. Now, come on. I would not want a pot that you just changed your motor oil in. Come on. <laughs> Get real. I'll admit that. I wouldn't want you to give me a pot that you just change your motor oil in. I'll admit that. But, come on. Jesus is saying, when you nitpick over a little speck of dirt on your hand, come on, everybody knows that you eat over 10 tons of dirt a day anyway. You don't believe me, do you? Okay. Wait a minute. Now, where is your house? Where is your house located? Over the top of the blocks in the basement, right? Well, then... Excuse me. Then when you think about it, it's over 10 tons of dirt. It is. It's over 10 tons of dirt. So you eat over 10 tons of dirt every day. So I'm not saying that you should leave a pile of dirt and eat a, a bunch of motor oil. But I'm saying to worry over every little nitpicking piece of dirt on your hand. That's what Jesus is saying. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be clean. But I am saying when you worry about it, when you get obsessive compulsive, that's what Jesus is pointing out. And when you make that tradition to the point where you have to make it necessary for salvation is what he's saying. That is the point here that Jesus is making. What he's pointing out. Now I want to get a little graphic, and that's the point of the warning at the beginning of every disc. So hopefully you ain't got the little ones around. Listen to what it says here. He said... What goes into your mouth goes down your esophagus, into your stomach, through your intestines, and comes out your bowels and goes into the toilet, okay, in modern terms. Basically, it's going to go into the toilet either as bowel or, more graphically, it may come out as gas, bowel gas, a big fat fart, okay, comes out into the draft in a fart, okay? So what's the difference? It's only going to stink either way. Yours stink just as much as mine, is what Jesus said. That ain't going to get you into heaven. 
or hell. Either way, what's going to get you into heaven or hell isn't what comes into your mouth. It's what comes out. Why? Because it proceeds out of your heart. The adultery, the murder. Think about it. When you hold hatred in your heart, you hold a grudge. It's like you killed that man. Amen. That's what defiles. That's what makes you sinful. That's the sin in your heart. Amen. Amen. Amen.